We're going to talk together tonight a bit um, as we conclude our series on Limitless, Discovering the Limitless God, Discovering the Limitless God. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go on iTunes, on Spotify, go and listen to um, this series, and I believe it can impact you greatly. Um, this week, I had an epiphany, uh, or a word, as I was washing the dishes at home. Um, so good. Went to the gym, got back, and I felt inspired to clean the house. And uh, so I put on some music, everyone was sleeping. Um, and one of the things I had was, <laughs> is as I was packing them into the shelf, um, I experienced uh, just God speaking to me. As we talk about the bigness of God, the hugeness of God, the almost undescribable nature of God in some ways, um, I align it to these plates. Um, you see, what we do is, is we box God in our little container of our tradition or our heritage or the way we brought up. And very quickly we realize that that box is too small and so we get a bigger box and then we put him in the bigger box and we squash him in there and then we get him in a bigger box. Often it's like these plates. You see, we have too many plates. We don't just have five plates as the members of our household. We probably have 20 or 30 plates in the shelf and then we've got some more plates in the cupboard. Um, and so when we use them, we use them and we wash them and then we just put them back on top of the other plates. <laughs> so what I have is, is I've got these plates that once were white, that now sort of gray and cracks in and it's just the top five plates. And very often, never really, maybe it's just me, I take the plates that I've washed and I put them at the bottom and then I lift them. You see, I believe when we discover God, it's something like these plates that we need to go deeper in Him, not just wider. And as we go deeper, we discover things. Maybe there's a plate in there that I've never eaten off before that's going to give me some emotional breakthrough. Or <laughs> I don't know. I used to have my own plate at home. It was a bit bigger than everyone else's plate. That was a problem. But I want to challenge us just in this last step in this series to maybe um, look at some of these ideas and concepts of God's largeness and vastness. His grace is so much more than we think. Uh, his beauty, His mercy, um, even His justice is more than we think. It's more righteous. It's better. I don't think I'm going to get into heaven and God's going to look at me and say, AJ, you over-exaggerated a little bit. <laughs> you, you thought I was bigger than I was. You thought I was more merciful than I was. You thought I loved human beings more than I do. Um, you know, I like to think that, but I don't think God's like that at all. Um, and so our core text from this is 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, one of my favorite scriptures really in the Bible, um, as it do doesn't just show us the intent and the reason that Jesus came, but it also has a transformational effect uh, from glory to glory, and it reads, and we all, can we say we all, with unveiled face, continuously seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It is a work of the Spirit that transforms us from glory to glory, from one idea of who God is to another, from one idea of what God thinks of us to another, from the top shelf of the plates to the lower shelf of the plates, from the ones we usually use to the ones we seldom touch because of the fear of the unknown. Maybe tonight there's something of that. I think our historical journey as Christians often draws us back to religion and what religion wants to do with us, and don't get me wrong, this, we are a religion, 
but we can fall into a religious life or a religious mindset. We can fall in a rigorous to-do list where we think that God is keeping score of our behavior. What we do in that space is we focus very much so on what is right and what is wrong. All of our discussions, all of our mindset is to, to try and pursue the right things and to run away from the wrong things. And most of the time, all of us can put up our hands, don't, but we get it wrong. We do some of the wrong things and we do, don't do all of the right things. And we start eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as Adam and Eve did, because that's the game. It's all about being right. And as Christians, we know that we don't get it right because there are 20,000 plus Christian denominations in the world, even if it's more. Some speculate more. And everyone thinks that they've got it right. Everyone thinks that, that they've got the truth and that they know exactly. And I want to warn you that if you meet someone and they tell you, listen, this is irrevocable. What I'm going to teach you is the ultimate truth. Run away. <laughs> because we are all in a discovery process. We are all trying to define what we are experiencing and what we read in scriptures, and you are part of that. No one has that authority apart from Christ himself. I think we need to move from right and wrong to old and new. Much of what the Bible is doing is it's helping us understand that there was an old idea of thinking that there was an old man or an old woman, that there's an old creation, that there's something in your past. Uh, and it is, an, it is called Adamitis. It is a sickness. It is an illness. It spreads more than other viruses at the moment. It is terrible. And when it gets hold of you, you fall into a performance cycle. But when you think about old and new, as we know in Christ, there is an old covenant, and then there's a new covenant, an idea that existed before everything else. But man missed the ideas we'll talk about, and then he recovered it in Christ fully as a declaration of good news over humanity. But I want to tell you guys today that we are in the new. We're not in the old anymore. And that Adam didn't survive the cross. He didn't hide behind the cross. He didn't hide in the cave. When Jesus was resurrected, Adam was resurrected. The idea of us being in Adam is done with, except in our minds. And this is our journey as we start believing what's true about us and move away from what's wrong. Uh, the mirror translation says it so beautifully, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, Now we all, with new understanding, see ourselves in Him as in a mirror. The days of window shopping are over. Come on. <laughs> Who loves a good window shop session? In Him every face is unveiled. In gazing with wonder at the blueprint of God displayed in human form, we suddenly realize that we are looking into a mirror where every feature of His image articulated in Christ is reflected within us. It's when you see Jesus that something in you shifts. Have you met someone so beautiful and holy in their being that when you meet them, there's something in you that comes alive? I'm not talking about romance and, you know, hormones and all those things. I'm talking about the DNA of God. And it's almost like there's a little Jesus sitting in that person. And what He's doing is He's waving at your little Jesus. And He's saying, hello, Hello, Jesus is Sam. Sam's Jesus. I don't know. Like Jesus is in Sam. And he's in Nick. And he's in Chrislin. He's in all of you. And when something resonates, when we say something true about ourselves, it resonates in you and it resonates and it's as if it continues to bounce back. And, and that is the point where transformation happens. 
and gazing with wonder at the blueprint of God displayed in human form, we suddenly realize that we are looking into a mirror. And goes on, the Spirit of the Lord engineers this radical transformation. We are led from an inferior mindset in Adam to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity in Christ. This morning we heard from Carl as he shared that identity precedes activity. That behavior follows belief. You see, when I sit in front of someone and they talk to me about their challenges or the mistakes that they've made or the, 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 the addictions that they're locked into, I have to remind myself that I cannot look to those behaviors as an indication of who they are, but I can look at it as an indication of who they believe they are. And as I help challenge their belief system, I can see their behaviors align. You don't have a choice. When you start shifting your idea of God, your behaviors do align. There's no other way. And when you see his goodness revealed in Christ, there's no other result than goodness in you that comes forward. You see, much of our self-improvement, as we talk about uh, change tonight, most of our self-improvement techniques are, are all things that we do from the outside in. It's training. It's Botox. It's not me. It's um, eyeliner, permanent eyeliner tattoos. How terrible is that? That's the definition of hell right there. Um, <laughs> It's, it's external things that we try and internalize when Christ says, no, no, I make my home in you. And from the inside out, you are transformed. The real you comes forward. So our job as pastors is not to drink coffee and not to walk around rating cafes. It's, it's, it's not to just look lit. It's actually to call out the best in, not that I do, to call out the best in you, to call it forth. And to help you remember what God has always believed to be true about you. Not to try and convince you of your wickedness so that you would turn your life around. Because you cannot change your life. You can't. You can't do it. How would that be for a popular clothing brand logo? Tonight. We are talking about limitless change. You see, change is cool if I'm talking about me. Because I like talking about my change because I know that it's authentic. I know that I don't, I know when I change for other people's opinions. I know when I change uh, so that I can feel better or that other people think I'm going to a place that I'm not. I, I, I can handle my transformation. I see this most revealed when we struggle with other people's change. When someone else changes, we're often not believers in their transformational journey. When someone else shifts, and a good example is our brother Kanye. Hey, I had a hey. <laughs> He's a brother from another mother. <laughs> I'm so not black. Um, I'm white, as can be. Just look at my glass choice of frame. <laughs> now, when I saw this, I must say that I've always listened to Kanye West's music. Confession? I have. In fact, I went to the UK, played rugby union there, and one day some friends took me to this dodgy bar in London, and I went in, and there were about 50 people there, and this dude came up, and he started singing and yapping and doing poetry in between. I thought, what are you doing, man? Like, that's not rap. And that was Kanye West before everything began. And I think it was free entry. <laughs> but from a man that does that to a man we see now, the first thing we do is critique. And I did the same. 
Oh, mate, you're seeing, a, you're seeing an avenue. You're creating a market. You're positioning yourself. There's, doors will open because other doors have closed. What do we, why do we do that when other people transform? I'm just asking the question. And if you've never done that, bless you. You're, you're ahead of me. When we read the scripture and we look at two words tonight, transformed and glory, it's beautiful to me that when we look at the original context of words, and we're not going to dive deep, we're just going to touch on this, it actually makes God more than we think it does. It brings out value that we never saw when we just read the westernized English of the language that we ascribe to be the Word of God, when the living Word sits deep within the context of Scripture, is revealed fully in Christ, and gets life when we navigate the journey of studying and going deeper. Metamorpho is the direct way that I translate or, or ascribe this. Meta means change after being with. There's a change that happens after being with. Isn't that our Christ journey? It's changing form in keeping with an inner reality. Come on. I, I read my own notes. Transformed. This is the second component. After being with transfigured which has happened to Moses, which has happened to Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration, where they passed out because of the glory that appeared in front of them, where it wasn't just the history or the rules or the law, but it was Christ, the full, <laughs> full revelation of who God is. After being with metamorpho, is the root of the English term metamorphosis, or to metamorphosize. It's the idea we have of a beautiful worm, who loves worms, come on. No? Okay. A beautiful worm <laughs> that transforms into a butterfly. We used to run a gap year course for a year, for a couple of years in New Zealand with students that came from some of the worst circumstances that I can't even talk about here. Experiences that they had involved in crime and, and often hideous things. And then they positioned themselves for a year in a process, in a cocoon, where at the end of it, the real them is revealed. Our, our transformation in Christ is never to change the very essence of who we are. It's to bring forth that which there is. So a worm is beautiful in nature. Maybe not in appearance. You know, maybe not in taste. We're not all eating worms. We're not all going to see it as a delicacy. There, there's, there's not to the eye, there's no evidence of beauty when you look at a worm. But when it goes through this transformational process that encapsulates it, that, that surrounds it, that, that puts itself in its very presence, come on, Christ in me, it's when that worm goes through that process that it comes out as a beautiful butterfly, that it transforms into it who it already is. And that is what we're asking of you. That is my journey. That is your journey. That is everyone else's journey. Because if there's no relationship, if there's no proximity to transformation as this cocoon forms around us, if there's no closeness, if there's no presence, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. The transformation cannot occur. You just die outside of that environment. And you die believing a lie about yourself. But from what to what will you be transformed? From glory to glory, the word there in plain transliteration is doxa to doxa. To doxa, exercising personal opinion which determines what value. You see, this statement from glory to glory is an opinion that God has had of us forever, that He is revealing to us in Christ. And when He comes and He shares Jesus with us and He reveals Himself in Christ, He's giving us an opinion that has always existed. But He knows that our opinion was broken. 
that our thoughts of what he thinks of us and what we think of ourselves have been broken in Adam. And so he comes and he says, no, no, here's my logos, my opinion that becomes flesh and lives amongst you so that you would see what I've always valued in you. Jesus showcases our value. That's the experience we have when we see Christ is we're like, man, my life is valuable. If you feel bad about yourself, you don't understand the revelation of Jesus. You might feel bad about your behavior. You might feel bad about the wrong beliefs you've had. But if you don't understand your value, you're missing the mark. The Old Testament words, kabol, both terms to be heavy, I like that. Both terms convey God's infinite, intrinsic worth, substance. Doxa literally means what evokes good opinion that something has inerrant, intrinsic worth. You are valuable. I see it as this image as when we saw God before Christ, there was a gray. There wasn't life. There wasn't color. There was black and white. It was as if we were determining the outcome of who God was. And in every, every chapter in the Old Testament, you see this attempt of humanity to try and reverse. And this is the thing that Paul wrestles with in his letters to the different churches. Is he says, you guys think it's simple, <laughs> but it's colorful. It's not gray. This thing has life. And when you experience this life, there's radical transformation. And when you experience this life, there's, there's, there's a color that stands out. You see, we don't like standing out. I've shared this story before when my daughter came home and we gave her a pair of like shocking green pants or something that she had to wear to school and because it was an athletics day and they wanted to stand out and she said, Dad, I don't want to wear that. And I said, why not? She says, I don't want to stand out. I just want to fit in. I just want to blend. She's eight years old now. I just want to, I just want to be like the other kids. And I'm thinking in my heart, I'm thinking, how terrible is that? That she believes the lie that she's going to do good in life if she just fits in. I want to call you guys tonight to a life that stands out. See, that's what holiness means. That's what separated means, that God separated you. He, he positioned you. He, he said, you are holy. You are different. We don't like that in Australia and New Zealand and this part of this world because when someone stands out too much, we chop them off. <laughs> I don't have any ninja sounds in my vocabulary. We chop them down. If they get too excited, we chop them down. If they're too elaborate, we chop them down. Come on, if they're winning, we're chopping them down. If you're a Christian musician and you're doing too good, we're chopping you down, Kanye. Down you go, brother. Down. If we, if we get a chance, have you chopped anyone down in your life? I have. And what I've realized is that the moment I do it, it's actually an indication of my insecurity manifesting itself to other people. When people are gossiping about other people, including me, when I gossip, call me out. When people are gossiping about other people, it's showcasing their insecurity. Why do you need to bring someone down so that you can be elevated? Just a little extra thought. I have to watch my time here tonight. Three little things before we get into ministry and sharing and praying for each other for transformation tonight. I believe change is deeply connected consistently to everything in our life. 
change for us has become this idea that, that uh, we expect miracles. We love miracles. Who does not love a good miracle? Come on. Like, I bet you there's, like, if we had to make a list of the miracles we require from God, it's going to be a long list. We're going to be here a long time. I prayed last night. I was like, dear Jesus, dear baby Jesus, can I just win the set for life lotto thing that gives me $20,000 a month for 20 years? I mean, I will build the kingdom like a boss. <laughs> Nothing will hold me back. Like no one's prayed for a lot of, okay? Um, you see, miracles are good, but I think we, we need to readjust our idea of what a miracle is. The idea that you get up in the morning is a miracle. <laughs> Especially after you've exercised. The idea that you can breathe is a miracle. The idea that you have another opportunity is a miracle. The idea that you can sit in church tonight and not be persecuted is a miracle. The idea that you can shout with all your strength and all your might. Have you been at a worship concert where everyone's just like, yeah, Jesus, and then there's this one random dude and he's like, Jesus! He just loses it completely. <laughs> I love that guy. Where is that guy? I think he goes to all the conferences. He goes everywhere. But there's that one dude that's brave enough and bold enough, and listen to me, in a room of Christians, because that's super dangerous, <laughs> in a room of Christians, to say, go out into the street this week. Don't be crazy. Just shout Jesus a little bit. Just get a bit of Jesus. Come on, just get it out there. Just, it's such an awkward word. Has it not become an awkward word for you? I mean, when have you last said, and you're not using it as a swear word, when was the last time you just said out of pure joy, Jesus Christ, Woo! <laughs> I'm going to get really Pentecostal in a little bit, so I'll give you a warning, pre-warning. Number two, change, uh, for real change to happen, not just that it happens consistently. I'm not even past that, sorry. I'm still on one because um, I get overexcited. Okay, this is the quote I want to share. A miracle constantly repeated becomes a process of nature. Read it with me. A miracle constantly repeated becomes a process of nature. Now, there's different ways you can use this. I want to use it in the con context of rhythms. I think God works in process. And I think He works in systems. Can I have an administrator in the house? I think, I think God is in all that stuff. God's in planning meetings. Can you believe it? Not just in the moment we experience His presence. He's there Monday when we're praying about the service. God is everywhere and He's in systems and processes just as much as He's in experiences. But if, what if we could experience His profound nature the moment we sit in front of that screen and we see a process work? Ooh, glory to Jesus. I hear Tyler doing that all the time. Breaking into random worship when a system works because God's in systems. And I believe He gives us systems. Miracles can happen. Any moment, God can intervene divinely into your thing. But you know what I think He prefers? When He works through you. When He gives you a plan. <laughs> when He says, mate, I know you're praying for that miracle, weight loss miracle. But not today, brother. Don't buy the KFC. I think someone here works at KFC. You see me every time. Don't go there. Don't eat bad. Exercise. These are part of your systems and processes, which is just as so much as a miracle. Because, man, when there's a double down with two patties and bacon and cheese, I'm gone. My decision-making capabilities are out the window. 
I'm not there. Like, I'm there, but my body's like moving. I'm like, yep, three of them, thank you. Yep. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. Here's the card. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not paying for it. Take the card. I'm not doing it. Bang. Bang. <laughs> okay, number two. Change is collaborative. I think we, we, we need to consistently collaborate. You can't change on your own. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty what? Power, love, and self-control. We're going to sing a song later. Power, love, and self-control. It's God who saves us. It's God who transforms us. It's Him who gives us systems. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you the mighty power. First thing to collaborate with, there's A, B, and C in point two. Collaborate with the Spirit. You've got a helper. You have a butler. You have an assistant. Come on, you have someone who's there saying, I'm actually the creator of the cosmos, but I will wear the secretary badge. What can I help you with? I'm not talking about your car debt. I'm talking about your life. Collaborate with the Spirit. People who are not Spirit-filled are not aware of the Holy Spirit and missing out. They're going to go to heaven. But dude, <laughs> why would you not collaborate with the Holy Ghost? That's the Pentecostal part of me. Okay. Number three. Oh, no, C within number two. You're going to get it. It's easy. Number two, point C. Collaborate with others. I can't say this enough. You can't do it on your own. It's point B, isn't it? Yeah. To B. Collaborate with others. When we make a mistake, when we separate ourselves from community, we, we are separated. We do something, our life shifts, we stop coming to church, we stop going to small group, we stop engaging relationally with other people that we know are good for us, we engage with other people who aren't. When, we, when we've separated ourselves, we isolate ourselves. Come on, who's been lonely in the room? I know a lot of us have, are. We isolate ourselves. When we isolate ourselves, it's just our thinking and the news channels we watch, the movies we watch. We're still influenced, but we're isolating ourselves. And often when we're in pain, this is what happens. We isolate ourselves. What should we do? We should get into community. We don't want community because community means that, that I'm accountable and people are going to ask questions and they're going to phone me because they know my life is shifting. And, and we don't like it. It's like being dehydrated and we need water. But when we're dehydrated, our throats close up. We can't drink anymore. The thing we need, we don't want. The thing you need is community. You don't want it when you're going through pain, when you've been separated, when you're isolated. And then eventually you get to that place where you're alienated. Either it's an idea that you can fix yourself. Maybe that's your alienation. Maybe you're saying, oh, well, my parents don't understand me. My friends don't understand me. My pastor doesn't understand me. My youth leader. I'm just going to go there because I'll figure it out. I'm smart. I'm capable. And then you very quickly find out that you're not. The solution to this is connection, contribution, because when you contribute, you belong. That leads to community. Because God has given us what? He's given us power. He's given us love. And He's given us, see, a sound mind. Collaborate with yourself. I believe that there's an inner healing journey that we go on to, and we'll talk about this later in the year, where we actually see alignment in our life. 
from the very truth of ourself, which is spirit, we move into our soul, our heart, our emotions, the things that make us tick, that eventually manifest itself in our body. You see, we don't become unhealthy because we want to. It's because of brokenness that sits in the start of our journey. It's because we don't understand who we are in the spirit, in Christ, that we are broken in our emotions, in our sense of being, in ourself, that then it manifests to our body. All our inflammation comes from not being aligned spiritually. It doesn't mean you're not going to get sick. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be moments where you're going to need to be treated. You could train your whole life. You could believe the right things and challenges might still come your way. But I believe that there's a spiritual value in alignment when these things start working together because we're not dualists. We believe that the Spirit penetrates and infiltrates every part of our being. The way we train, the way we eat is a spiritual exercise. It really is. So self-control and a sound mind. It's a summation of that scripture. The third thing, and the team can, can basically come up. You can come up. Is we change into Christ. You see, our ultimate destination is not something outside of Jesus. It's not a growth pattern or a supernatural thing that just sits in Neverland. You're actually becoming who you really are in Him. And so you start showing, revealing embracing the idea that you are like Jesus. As God calls you to Himself, He's not far away calling you to come over. He's actually saying, I'm calling you to who you really are in Me. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 21 to 23. There is a symmetry in this, Paul writes. Death initially came by a man, and resurrection from death came by a man, Jesus. Everybody dies in Adam, but everybody comes alive in Christ. God calls us to Himself. Consistently collaborate into Christ. Maybe not words that we've partnered. I hope you write it down. I hope you pray through it. I hope you meditate on it. And I will. How can I this year consistently collaborate into Christ? And when I collaborate, how do I do that in the work of the Spirit? By working into community, by collaborating with others, by collaborating with myself to see inner healing and wholeness and oneness, to be of one mind, to be of sound mind, to have self-control. And what am I changing into? Nothing else but Jesus. I, I believe that if we can, can initiate and engage spiritual practices like communion and baptism and, and small groups, because... This small group thing is not a B plan for church. It's not a, hey, I'll think about it like I'm doing the main thing. Just give me some time and I'll go. No, 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 brother. Community is everything. We can stop our services if we're not doing small groups. Why? Why would we just do the showboat window shopping moment if we don't have the substance of relationship? So next week we have sign up and there's going to be groups there that you don't want to join. And there's going to be groups there that don't exist. I, you know what? When God calls you to Himself, He's saying, Sister, we're going to start a group together. Me and Kristen. He's going to say, start it. What's happening? When we consistently collaborate into Christ, there's a oneness and a unity that happens not on your own. Because this is what we say, you can't do this on your own. 
Come on. Who's bought a pair of new shoes and gone to park run? And the moment you do that, there's that awkward moment. You're wearing Nike and you just can't do it. <laughs> I was waiting all week for that little joke. I'm so happy it's out now. Don't have to tell my kids anymore. Transformation does not sit outside Jesus, ever. It's always in towards Him. And when it's in towards Him, it's in towards me because that's where He lives. I've got a prayer for you tonight. I want to pray over you and then we're going to have communion, we're going to worship, we're going to minister to each other as the body does, I'm done. I want to ask you to either read this part with me or just listen. But maybe just go into a time where you can soak. You know, when you just can soak truth, when you can soak the presence of God, it means really just that you're absorbing what God is giving you. But let's start with this posture of humility here tonight. Come on. Can we be real? Is that okay? I'm asking, but I'm going to do it anyway. Can, can we be real? If, if you're not ready to be real, that's fine. Do it in community. Do it with friends. We're going to create a moment of being real now. As we talk together, I want you guys to talk. I want you guys, when we worship and sing, I want you to sing back. I want you to talk. Come on, talk. Like it's not, it's not a one-way thing. Like can we stop? Can we change something in this place? Where it's just a guy talking? Can you, can you talk? And even if you're not talking loudly, can you talk internally? You know, be a bit crazy with someone next to you, but can you just, can you, is there a response? Is there something of a, mmm, <laughs> preach. Like, yes, that's right. Uh, that's, that's not right. I'm going to talk to you afterwards. We love that. But can we just, if we agree, can we just say yes? Yes, that's right. Yes. I think Jesus is our yes. I think God looks at us and he says, come on, I'm, I'm not a no God. I don't look at you and say no. I say yes. And Jesus is my yes to you. <laughs> I think if God could look at you, he'd say, there's three people I'm going to tell this tonight. God looks at you and the only thing he says is yes. If that's not a license to live, come on, is, is that? Otherwise, it's not breakthrough. Faith doesn't have any substance. Let's close our eyes and receive those who want to. You can read with if you want. Lord, what if the good news, you don't have to repeat, but whatever you can. What if the good news is not that I can, but I can't? I can't change myself. You can say it if you want. I can't change myself. I can't change others. Can't. Maybe it's a bit of a confession tonight as we say this. Can't change myself. I can't change others. I can't fix myself. I can't fix others. I can't do it on my own. I can't beat addiction. I can't forgive. I can't love unconditionally. I can't follow through. Is there anyone here? I'm there. I, can't, I struggle. I love starting things. I struggle to follow through. Come on. I can't believe myself into anything. I can't. You just can't. You can't. But He can. He can. He can through me. You're not excluded. He can through me. I can't, but He can. I can't, but He can through me. If there's anything you want to remember tonight, I can't, 
but He can through me. <laughs> you become a vehicle to the love and the grace of God manifesting itself on earth, making all things new. Weakness stands in strength. I want us to stand tonight. Come on. Let's stand here in this place. Weakness stands in strength as I stand in Christ. When I am weak, when I am weak, He is strong. Because He is strong, I am strengthened. I'm going to read this again. Can we stop here? Weakness stands in strength as I stand in Christ. When I am weak, He is strong. Because He is strong, I am strengthened. Can you feel yourself getting stronger? Because Christ lives in you. Father, we receive from you, as you're a good God who gives good gifts, not just a miracle in a moment, but a miracle in a process and a system. Lord, you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing on earth. We are rich beyond measure. We are full of the presence of God. We lack nothing. Everything you need is in you. This is a call out. If you tonight feel anything less than, if you feel that you're a no, if you feel that you can't, it's a good thing because He can. We're going to pray for you. If there's anyone here who comes to the place of surrender where they can't anymore, we're going to pray for you. If there's anyone here who feels like they've been trying on their own for too long and they're ready to surrender to the power and the indwelling presence of God, we're going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. We receive from you. We share in this liberation meal where we remember who we really are. As Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. When he says that, he doesn't just say, do it as an historical day that you just might remember me. He says, when you remember me, you remember you. When you remember who, what I came to do, you remember who you really are. I invite you tonight to come and share in communion. Come on. Let's have it. Let's worship. Let's minister to each other. Maybe it's weird for you. That's okay. God will meet you in the weirdness tonight. He's going to meet you in your questions. Let's not wait. This is a freedom meal. Come on.